Screen the horror movie podcast where I, your host, Egrain, chats with a special guest every week about horror films. And in particular, myself and my guest each choose a film that has to do with a certain topic that I have um, picked out of my random cup of horror, which is literally a cup with rolled up bits of paper in. Um, so this week, um, my subject for this episode is Satanism and Satan and satanicness and all that scary stuff. Um, it's pretty much a trope in horror that is like, it's the trope. Like, a lot of the biggest horror films has some level of Satanism in it. Um, Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, um, the two films that we're going to be talking about today. Um, it's just so much. A lot of the time it's like scary cults in long gowns praying to Satan or bringing about the end of the world or the Antichrist. Um, and then you've got stuff like American Satan where it's just sexy rock and roll people wanting to be rich and famous um so yes i i really love satanism in horror films i i just i absolutely adore it um i find myself always rooting for satan and his followers um and it's funny because i'm not christian or anything i don't follow a christian belief but i'm very into the horned devil satan kind of aesthetic very very into it um so yes this week my special guest is iona smith and together we are chatting about two films that have to do with satanism the first one is 1987's prince of darkness written and directed by john carpenter starring donald pleasant pleasance even um victor Wan. Jameson Parker and Lisa Blount um, and then the second film which was my choice is 1976 The Omen directed by Richard Donner um, starring Gregory Peck um, and Harvey Spencer as Damien so yes that is two films and I hope you enjoy this little chat about Satanism in horror so I would like to welcome to the podcast for the very first time, Iona, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm good, yes, yes. I am um, very much into the groove of our subject topic today. Um, yeah, it seems to be like all I've watched recently are satanic films, so yeah. <laughs> like, to, be, to be honest, I um, when, when, when you told me the subject matter, I was like, do you know what? This is definitely my jam like yeah. I'm really glad that it was something Same. that I was like confident with yeah. <laughs> so before we get on to that um do you want to just let listeners know about yourself and what you do yes yeah, so uh I'm my owner I am I work in tv development um 
in uh, factual TV, funnily enough. Mm -hmm. So I'm known in my office for coming up with ideas to do with horror and death and sex and basically all the subjects no one ever really wants to talk about. Um, which is always which is always fun because they turn around to me and brainstorms and go, oh, here she goes again. Um, <laughs> but, um, but on the side, I also do writing for Ghouls Magazine. Uh, I do some reviews, some lists, some bits and pieces there. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much me, to be honest. And how did you get into horror? And do you remember the first horror film you ever saw? Ooh, so... I think I got into horror because my dad growing up was really into like sci-fi, fantasy, kind of the scarier side of those subjects. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of watched him watch the older films, like the black and white films. Um, and I remember being in my childhood home and watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers for the first time, but like the original black and white yeah. version. Um, I think that's the first time I really remember watching like a proper kind of horror yeah. um and then it led on to things like little shop of horrors and um obviously I grew up loving things like Tim Burton and stuff mm -hmm. like that um and then as I got older my dad slowly but surely let me watch the slightly scarier ones um and I was hooked and that was me basically yeah it's so funny like I've talked about this on the podcast before but it's so funny how horror seems to be like a real kind of hand-me-down tradition it's oh, like, definitely. it's almost like a generational tradition of if your parents are into horror or like grand, I've even had grandparents, like people saying about their grandparents passing horror down to them. It's, it's just a real, like you don't find that in really any other, apart from the only thing I can think of is perhaps like Westerns. You don't really find that <laughs> in any other genre of film. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, horror's definitely like passing down the gauntlet, I'd say. Mm. Like it, it, it comes from understanding that kind of dark side of films in your parents kind of perspective and then going now nah, do you know what I think my kid could handle this or like I think yeah. my kid could handle that um saying that my my dad also enjoys like Disney and stuff like that which <laughs> I've definitely also inherited from him I I have a partner who literally works for Disney now and it's like I'm, I'm the, the way the way that I think about it is I'm like oh this was definitely meant to be from a very young age because my dad like showed me showed me basically my film taste <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's something I kind of aspire to be as well like I want to be that parent um oh, yeah. I'm trying I'm trying with my son mm -hmm. but it's I think he's a bit too young at the moment like we've tried we've tried the nightmare before Christmas and you know um Frank and Weenie and all that but he's just not latching on to the the spooky stuff but yeah there's still time <laughs> give him time yeah you yeah. can convert him don't you worry <laughs> um so the subject for today's podcast is um satan or satanism whichever one you want to say um how did you feel i mean you said you were you know quite excited when i came to you with this subject but uh how did how did you feel about it and what is your kind of understanding of satan and satanism within horror movies so my understanding of satanism i think comes from a lot of different subgenres so it, it, it can link to like folklore or it can link to, I mean, in some cases like sci-fi kind of horror. Mm -hmm. um, and I really like that kind of side of it, that you get Satanism in like a lot of different aspects. Mm -hmm. um, 
But also, I do feel quite bad for real-life Satanists because <laughs> the portrayal of them in films is always so skewed. And I'm like, I'm like, seriously, like, if you actually want to know what real Satanists are like, watch the uh, Netflix documentary Hail Satan. Yeah, that tells you what real Satanists are like, and they don't sacrifice babies and animals and yeah. stuff. It's not part of the religion. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's a lot. A lot of the time, it's like um, atheistic Satanism, where they don't even believe in like a devil. It's just yeah. it's more like exploring the duality within yourself and finding that balance between your light and your dark side, so long as it doesn't hurt anybody or anything else. Um, exactly. So I always, th- I always think it's hilarious when you watch these like satanic horror films and they're like black cloaked, um, you know, leading black masses. I think it's hilarious. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time, like you said, it's very folkloric. It's very, obviously, because it kind of, it's related a lot to paganism, despite it being a Christian kind of standing. It's related a lot to paganism. And yeah, you're right. It does relate back to folklore. Um, but why do you think Satan and Satanism in horror films have gained such notoriety, are so popular? I honestly think it's because, so horror films are always fear of the unknown. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's always the things that people are most afraid of facing, most afraid of confronting. And I think from a Christianity point of view, Satanism is the direct polar opposite of what you want to believe in your religion. So mm. it's almost like the ultimate fear. Um, mm. And I think that in in terms of uh, Christianity and horror is always a massive subject matter, especially yeah. Catholicism. It's mm. It comes up in so many different variations. Um, and I just think that Pitting Christianity against the big bad of Satanism Mm -hmm. is kind of a perfect setup for the morality and the good and evil of horror. So yeah, I think I think just just relating it to horrors en masse, um, I just think it's a kind of a really like sturdy standpoint for some classic stories. Yeah. I always find it quite funny that like I grew up in a really Catholic country, Ireland. Um And I always find it really funny when you see these um, horror movies that depict Satanism or Satan. Um, And it's like, it's usually depicted as uh, some form of possession um, or it's, you know, Satanism oppresses women, hurts children, etc, etc. When really in, you know, as history has taken it, especially within Catholicism, that has been what the catholic church has done to marginalize people women children uh etc etc so i was really funny like find it funny how they they flip it um in horror films i'm like uh you know satan satanism and satan hasn't actually done that that's actually the church that's done that but you know never mind um like my favorite film's the exorcist um oh yeah good choice <laughs> yeah like it's my favorite film and i know a lot of people are like oh it's pro catholic church i'm like no it's not like it's Ooh, not no. <laughs> at all. um and yeah i just always find the flip funny um so let's begin with your choice um, do you want to introduce it and give us a brief brief synopsis, please? Yes. Yeah, so uh, my choice was John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Um, 
it's quite a hard film to summarise, <laughs> but I'll try my best because uh, mm. it's it's a bit out there, and I do apologise yeah. in advance for making you watch it because <laughs> sometimes sometimes I I recommend this film to people and they're like really like you want me to watch this so yeah apologies in advance um but uh basically it's a group of uh physics students led by professor barack who are recruited to investigate a mysterious container of uh green liquid which is in the basement of a monastery um this monastery is owned by the brotherhood of sleep who apparently can communicate through their dreams. Um, and the cylinder slowly starts opening and leaking water, I think, probably not water, to be honest, from the colour, into people's mouths, uh, possessing them, making them slaves to Satan, uh, who, spoiler alert, is the goo in the in the cylinder. Um, and it's all a ploy to try and get the anti-god to come through from the mirror dimension into our universe to then bring around the end of days. So that's fun. <laughs> it is wild. Like it's, I, yeah, I wouldn't be a massive fan. I haven't really seen any junk apart from Halloween. I haven't really mm-hmm. seen any John Carpenter films. And when I told one of my friends, who's like the biggest fan of John Carpenter ever, I told him that I was watching this and he's like, no, it's like the worst depiction of Satan ever. <laughs> and, and I got to say, I I was not expecting the direction it went. Um, oh, yeah. So why did you pick Prince of Darkness? I think... So I could have, I, I, I really thought about it when you said about Satanism and I thought I could go for part of the Unholy tri- tri- uh, Trilogy, which mm-hmm. um, I know as as we'll discuss later, um, one of your film selections is part of. Mm-hmm. And I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to, because I know that the classic rendition of Satanism is probably going to come up in our conversation. I thought I'll just go to the direct opposite, balls to the wall, absolute crazy craziest version of satan that i can think of um and i just think in 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 a horror context crazy satan doesn't really get much crazier than john carpenter and and to be fair i am i am a massive john carpenter fan like i love halloween i love the fog i love the thing um i love i mean i even love things like big trouble in little china and village of the damned and all all of his all of his slightly insane films that he decided were a good idea um <laughs> so yeah i just i just thought nah do you know what i'm, I'm gonna use every opportunity i can to bring john carpenter into, into conversation mm. and why not do it by his actually probably least loved film and that's saying something since the fog is wild as well <laughs> <laughs> so let me try and get this straight right so this green goo is uh an intergalactic son of someone mm-hmm. who is satan um <laughs> so satan and jesus weren't uh christian deities they were actually an alien race am i getting that correct right yep, okay. alien, alien race uh jesus was a space and time traveler who came to earth to warn humanity of what was happening with satan and he was accused of heresy and therefore murdered so that that puts a twist on your Christianity for you. Um, <laughs> and Satan was encapsulated in goo. Um, and his father, who is apparently anti-God, um, who we only actually see by just a giant red claw that comes through a mirror at one point, um, he has been trapped away for 
I, I assume, thousands of years. And it, Satan's decided to wake up and it's time for dad to come home. <laughs> I would like to have been in the room when John Carpenter pitched this to studios. It was like, oh, lads, they, I've got an idea. <laughs> they must have been on so many drugs. Like, I cannot, I cannot physically imagine this film being written up and thought of without someone being on drugs it had to it had to i mean it was it was let's be honest it was like 70s 80s kind of era uh yes horror so you know it is expected that drugs were probably involved yeah absolutely (laughs) i mean it's very it has a heavy influence from quartermass and the pit um and also it felt very similar from my point of view, it's felt very similar to Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. We have this kind <laughs> of sci-fi mixed with horror, mixed with, you know, something not being quite as it seems. Um, and, yeah, it kind of really felt that way for me. Um, but going back to the whole, like, religion thing, do you think it was a kind of... Um, symbolism for how religion especially monotheistic religions like christianity could are a little bit ridiculous at times oh most definitely like this this film is a literal parody of religion there is no other way to think about it like i I can't i can't put my exact finger on it but because i mean i'm 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 not really um educated in in Christianity and things. I grew up, I grew up uh, atheist. I did religious studies in school, but I wasn't really kind of immersed in in that world growing up. Um but there must be some references in uh in Prince of Darkness that that are relating to some sort of aspects of Christian religion and things like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I I don't think I picked up on them myself, but but yeah, it like it really is poking fun at mm. how serious people seem to take these kind of religions that they live by. Yeah, and especially like the Catholic Church. And, you know, there's so many rumours about the Catholic Church hiding things and, Mm -hmm. you know, like really deep mythological kind of rumours. And it just kind of really seemed to be uh, a depiction of that and kind of see, you know, like what could the Catholic Church be hiding? Oh, it's aliens. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. When when in doubt, conspiracy theorists always go to aliens. That's right. we've learned this many times in history. Like especially especially in America, let's be honest. Yes. Like any conspiracy theory, theories in America tend to fall in the alien category. Yeah. So it makes sense for religion exactly. to cross over to it as well. <laughs> yeah, when in doubt, it's the aliens. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so during the film, we see um, demonic possession happening, um, which is transmitted through bodily fluids, uh, mm. like watery vomit, let's say. Oh, it's um, lovely. <laughs> it's delightful. It is. Um, <laughs> So I read somewhere that this is actually a parable for the AIDS epidemic, which was happening at the time, um, because of obviously that transference of bodily fluids. Um, I want to know what your point of view is on that. I think I can definitely see the relation to it. Um, I think I think it's one of those things that uh, there, there is also a lot of implications of uh, what what one of the characters describe as homosexual panic as well mm. in in the film. Uh, I think it's uh, Walter who 
talks about the fact that he used to break out in hives or something and his doctor said it was homosexual panic. Um, And he is also seen as the stereotypically uh, gay character in the fact that he is sometimes referred to as quite effeminate and he escapes the scene as soon as he's able to. So they think that he is cowardly, which I 100% disagree with. Like, I think that's a ridiculous rendition. But again, it's, it's of the time i guess yeah in terms of the representation that people were receiving um in in the 70s and 80s um but yeah no i can definitely see the kind of the mirroring of the aids pandemic in the fact that as you said the liquid is transferred and the possession kind of takes someone over mm-hmm. so yeah i think i think undertones of of the aids pandemic could definitely be in there but i think that you need to kind of dive quite deeply to get to that so on surface level people can kind of just enjoy the film for as it is as well I mean the way I took it was like I I kind of noticed this symbolism in it and especially when one of the female characters gets really infected and like she's bed bound and you know her skin starts to deteriorate and yeah 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 so that was really kind of prominent for me um another thing I kind of want to put to you on the same vein is when the possession starts becoming a thing, it's mainly amongst the homeless population, um, by which one is Alice Cooper, uh, funnily enough, uh, random cameo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, am, I am a bit of an Alice Cooper fan, so it might also be one of the reasons that I quite enjoy this film. But the, the representation of homeless people is a little bit gray area in terms of it's acceptable i mean his his credit in the film is literally street schizo oh and i'm like oh no that is not a good conversation about mental health and like a lot of people are like i know i know and a lot of people are like oh yeah all the all the homeless people in the film are schizophrenics and i'm like "Mm, it doesn't specifically say that they are so i'm gonna say that they're not i'm just gonna say that they are possessed by satan instead because i feel a lot more comfortable about that conversation yeah Yeah. so we see that all the possessed people are like women they're the Mm -hmm. homeless population and Mm -hmm. one of the main prominent ones is also a person of color and it just it's one thing that really struck like the first time like the watch I was just like oh shit (laughs) like this is a bit you know mm, it it felt a bit uneasy for me um what was your take on that I think if if I'm taking the film literally like on the nose, like this is exactly the how John Carpenter wanted me to see it, I do think that I'm quite uncomfortable by his representation. Mm-hmm. Um, I am uh, a queer woman myself, mm-hmm. and I do not like the representation of the LGBTQ plus community within the film. I also do not enjoy the representation of uh people of color i do not enjoy the representation of uh women especially like mm-hmm. some some of them are very much just there to be objects of either desire or objects to just be used for the possession to continue on to the general mm-hmm. population um and obviously i have problem with the homeless community being referred to as just generalized schizophrenics mm-hmm. um going slightly deeper into the film itself I hope, and I say I hope because I haven't heard otherwise from John Carpenter in any interviews Mm -hmm. or anything, but I hope that he is using this to make points about 
kind of in the same way that he does with religion mm-hmm. to show how ridiculous this type of representation can be. Um, again, I hope, but I honestly couldn't speak for John Carpenter because I don't know his opinion on this. Um, but yeah, it, I think I think looking into the representation of certain uh, people in this film, I do, it does make me feel quite uncomfortable. So most of the time, my enjoyment from this film purely just comes from the ridiculousness of Goo Satan and not from the representation yeah. of the people involved. <laughs> yeah, it's always very difficult. Like when you when you start off as a young horror fan, you just mm-hmm. you just love horror. You know, you don't don't really look too far into it. You're like, yeah. when's the next kill coming along? Um, and then once you become a little bit more educated to the world, um, especially the times we live in now, and you go back and you watch these films, you're like, oh, you get a bit of an ick. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it's, yeah. it's so difficult trying to, like, deal with that moral dilemma in your head where you're like, I really enjoy this film because it's ridiculous and, you know, mm-hmm. it. I have a soft spot for it. But I can look back and say this is what is wrong with it and this is this sort of representation shouldn't happen nowadays oh yes no I completely agree I mean just referring back to a conversation I know you had with May about uh Mm -hmm. Eli Roth Mm -hmm. like I growing up I was a massive like just general gore fan um and I didn't see the problems in Eli Roth films because I was a bit young and a bit naive to kind of the underlying messages um but since kind of getting older and since kind of looking at the representation of certain groups in horror, I have now completely just become an anti Eli Roth person. Mm. Um, myself and uh, Amber from Ghouls as well, we've both discussed it before and we're like, nope, don't watch Eli Roth films. We're not about that. We're not about that conversation. Um, and I think if this film, if Prince of Darkness was released today, I would also probably have quite a similar feeling about it. Um, I think for, for a film like this to have been released in modern day would be wholly problematic um and I don't I don't think it would have received the I guess the reception it did when it was released originally in nowadays because it would be as I said quite problematic for the general audience what are your thoughts on its depiction of Satan and Satanism are you a fan of it or is the ridiculousness too ridiculous (laughs) I think I'm a fan of it if I'm in the mood for it like sometimes I sit down and I just want to watch some like really dumb horror film that if if you're looking for a film that makes you kind of think on a deeper level, I wouldn't say this is the one. I would say <laughs> I'd say maybe maybe go to more of I mean, I hate to use the bloody term because it drives me insane, but the whole elevated horror, like I, I despise that term and that's that's just for my own opinions. But <laughs> like if, if you're wanting to go for a film that makes you like think, um, I, I've also just realised I used the parentheses <laughs> on, on my fingers. No one will be able to see that, but I did. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, that, that, kind of, that kind of horror you have to be in the mood for as well. But this, like Prince of Darkness is not, not one that you should watch mm. if you want to <laughs> delve deep into the meanings. Yeah. Um, saying that, they do speak a lot in physics terms and I felt incredibly dumb watching it again because I was like, I don't understand a single thing. I don't know science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought it was an interesting and kind of individual uh, take on Satan and Satanism mm-hmm. and I can appreciate it for that. 
Is it my kind of satanistic horror? No. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> it's I, I, I'm not great with the whole science fiction thing. I'm kind of... I get a bit kind of bored by it. And I think because it feels like another physics lesson that I'm just like, yeah, "Yeah." (laughs) zone out, back at school. (laughs) The way that I take it, sorry, is just that um, like, so if you ever watch an episode of like Star Trek or something, very Mm. often it's like science talk and like you just let it sweep over your head because you're like, oh, yes, the scientists are speaking. It's science things. Therefore, I'm going to pretend to understand. (laughs) I think Prince of Darkness is very much like that for me as well. Yeah. Um, So would you recommend it to horror fans then? I, mm, this is difficult. So I I don't think I'd recommend it to general horror fans. It's Mm. definitely not a film for everyone. Um, I think if you're looking for something with like, actually quite fun visual effects. um, Mm. So like, like the special effects makeup when uh, one of the women gets possessed by Satan and it actually becomes the physical embodiment of Satan. Her bodily change is brilliant. And I, I I really stand by John Carpenter's visual effects in his films. I always think they're phenomenal. Um, if you want something that's like a bit balls to the wall, like I said, in terms of insanity, sure, go for, a John, go for this John Carpenter film. Um, if you just want something that you can like stick on a, on a Saturday night with a pop, with like some popcorn, like with your curtains closed, I don't think this is the one for you. <laughs> yeah. I would recommend it to people that want to get into John Carpenter's back, cat- back catalogue. I think yeah. that's the only, like, the, I'm sorry. It's the only time I probably no, recommend no, no. it. <laughs> it's completely fine. It's, 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 I always feel like this is the John Carpenter film that people are like, oh, I love John Carpenter. And I'm like, really? Have you seen Prince of Darkness? Because, <laughs> and, and people are always like, no. And I'm like, well, you should just educate yourself further <laughs> on the insanity of John Carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> I always, I become, I become that person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's move on to my choice then. Um, it was quite difficult for me to choose because I was kind of like, I don't know whether to go for, like you said, uh, one of the unholy trinity or to follow my hormones and go for something like American Satan, which to be honest, I would have just chosen because I'm a complete horn dog for Andy Bursack. I mean, I can 100% second that. It is... It's just, it's it's wild, but in all the fun ways. Um, but yeah, that American Satan is is a lot. <laughs> in, in a good way, but it's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I decided to follow my head rather than down there. And I went for 1976, The Omen, uh, which is a supernatural horror film directed by Richard Donner and written by David Seltzer, in which Gregory Peck plays the American ambassador who um, discovers that his infant child was murdered by the Catholic Church and replaced with uh, the Antichrist, basically good old Damien. Delightful. <laughs> the, de- the delightful child Damien. As Damien grows up, uh, strange uh, accidents and killings start to happen and Damien, uh, Gregory, nope, uh, Gregory Peck's character, there we go, Thorne, <laughs> realises that the Antichrist is here, basically, and he's trying to stop it, but no one can stop the Antichrist, apparently. Not if you uh, not if you look at that final shot. I, yeah. I completely forgot that's how that film ended, because it had been a while since I'd seen The Omen, and I was like, oh, I completely forgot that he ends up with the president. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> like, we are doomed. <laughs> so um, the omen is kind of, where is your pick, Prince of Darkness, settled itself in an educational and science fiction kind of setting, the omen is really politically based um, because that's how they think that the Antichrist is going to come about through politics. Um, so what are your thoughts on the omen? I mean, it's an absolute classic. It's like, like, like we've mentioned, it's part of the unholy trinity. It's, it's a proper like fan favorite with horror mm. fans. I don't think I've actually ever met someone who says they're a horror fan who doesn't like the omen. Mm. Like it's, it's so good. And also just from, I know I'm going back to my sci-fi side here, but Patrick Troughton is in it and he was one of the Doctor Who's and he gets speared by a church and I'm, it, I'm, I'm there for that. I just love it. Like I love, Pat, I love Patrick Troughton. His death is insane. And like saying about the deaths, it's like, the film itself has such good deaths in it. I, it I really can really, does. oh, I can really appreciate a film with some damn good deaths. Like, yeah, absolutely. that's what I'm there for. They're so dramatic and oh, theatrical, yeah. and I love it. Like one of the first one is Damien's uh, first nanny, and she throws herself out a window, hangs herself at a party, going, "Damien, it's all for you, Damien." I, um, <laughs> <laughs> when, when I told my partner that that I was doing this podcast recording and that we were that we were look, looking at the Omen, Omen as one of the films, he literally turned around and did that exact line. He was just like, oh, it's all for you, Damien. And I was like, yes, you're not even a horror fan and you know. <laughs> but I have to say my favourite death is where the photographer gets beheaded by a pane of oh. glass coming off the back of a lorry. And it's just, it's just pure, like, 70s effects, cheese. But I love it. It's one of those ones that, like, I, like it's such ob it's so obviously a mannequin head yeah. that goes flying but I adore that I'm just like yes get me some of that like dodgy like dodgy effects in the best way it's oh it's phenomenal yeah. I love it it was very hammer horror in its effects yes. like oh, I, yes. I feel that at one point you could see like a red cloth coming out of the bottom of the neck when it was decapitated yes. like <laughs> oh definitely gold, it is gold. so good um, so we have this little child who is the devil incarnate. He is the son of the devil. And my God, is he creepy? Oh, yeah. I mean, that kid as an actor, like, I, I, I don't, I honestly don't know if he was in anything else after this, but <laughs> I kind of want to do a deep dive on him to see if he was, because as, as a kid, he was such a good little actor. I was like, yeah. you are creepy as hell. Yeah. Just, I mean, oh. And as you mentioned, that end shot is just such a good end shot where he turns oh. to the camera and he like dead pants and then just does a little smile and you're like, Ugh. it's like Ugh. it's like Chef Kiss gives you the yeah. ick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, little fact: the Omen was actually the f the the film, the catalyst that created the idea of the Antichrist being the son of Satan. Because oh. Antichrist in the biblical sense means against Christ. So if that was the case, I could be the Antichrist, you could be the Antichrist, you know, with our atheistic we're both against Christ. Yeah. But the omen 
took influence from like the Pentecostal kind of um, Protestant church beliefs of like devout Americans. And because of um, someone that Richard Donner had spoken to had been like, well, the Antichrist could be a child amongst us. That's how it became this idea that the Antichrist is the son of Satan. Oh, that is such a good way for that to come about. Like, I, know. I love, I, I think, I think, so working in TV, my favorite thing um, about like brainstorms and things and like coming up with ideas is the stuff that just comes from someone asking like a really simple question or like making like a really simple statement. And the fact that this entire film comes from that, like, oh, the Antichrist could be anyone. It could be a child. It's just, oh, that that makes that makes it even better for me, I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm pretty sure my child is the Antichrist, but you know, whatever. <laughs> only only time will tell. Yeah. I mean, if if, if 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 you if you get murdered and he ends up with the president, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so again, like Prince of Darkness, we see the Catholic Church kind of being seen as a little bit shady and actually in mm. league with the devil. Um, what do you think the omen was trying to say about religion and the Catholic Church? I honestly think that they were trying to just say that religion in general is a flawed system. So I think I think that it comes with a lot of contradictory beliefs. I think it comes with a lot of mixed messages. Um, and I mean, in this case, mixing those messages with Satan himself kind of kind of good representation of that yeah definitely um yeah it kind of it as i said it depicts them as quite shady um mm-hmm. and in league with the devil himself which i guess is kind of true of you know the catholic church in real life no offense yeah. catholic listeners but you Sorry, know catholics <laughs> we haven't got the greatest track record um mm. with the catholic church um so yeah it's kind of especially because it came from this pentecostal uh like viewpoint that it views the catholics as bad um i found that hilarious that's probably my favorite bit about the omen oh yeah no i i think i agree with you there i think it it also it's also very interesting that this film came out at around about a similar time as the like satanic panic of america and the fact that a lot of people were saying that places like daycares and stuff were doing satanic rituals and things. And it's like, no, this has all come from one accusation from one woman who was then proven to, bless her, have mental health issues. Mm. Um, and it just it just snowballed and it ended up causing mass hysteria. Um, and a little bit of me in the back of my mind is kind of like, oh, did the omen help with that? Because right. it was very well timed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially yeah. when we see Damien being surrounded by caregivers who are yes. uh, they are the helpers of the devil, basically. So we've got, you know, the the hospital staff, the the Catholic priests, we've got mm-hmm. his nanny who scares the living daylights out of me still. Oh like Mrs. She, Baylock. Oh, she's pet, especially the bit where the mother is in the hospital and she just appears behind her. Mm-hmm. Like that, she still terrifies me. Yeah, I, she, she very slightly rem- reminds me of a teacher I had when I was younger, like her appearance and her demeanor. Um, shout out to Mrs. Larkman. Um, she, <laughs> she, just her like 
the way she holds herself and the way she speaks, I always get like flashbacks of my childhood from that. (laughs) So yeah, I I understand the creepiness. She is not a good lady. (laughs) No, not at all. Um, And then another kind of guard of Damien is this big black Rottweiler dog. What do you think is the symbolism of that? So I feel terrible for Rottweilers in this film (laughs) because in, in like real life, Rottweilers are like just proper big slobbery goofballs and like I I mean I adore dogs but yeah the representation of them here is so dark and so evil I I actually I looked back an interview with uh the screenwriter uh, David Seltzer and he said that originally in the first script they were supposed to be like proper like hounds of hell so okay. they were supposed to be like draped in capes they were supposed to leave like cloven hoof prints as they walked and apparently uh, Dick Donner turned around to him and was like, we can't, no. Like, this is where your film gets too ridiculous. Like, you have to bring it back to earth because otherwise, like, it's, it's like, you can't have, like, the tidal wave of, like, coincidental accidents happening and then just being like, here are these hounds from hell in their terrible, terrifying capes and their cloven hooves. Like, it had to be a little bit more down to earth. So I think the whole, the whole, like, black dog, like, darkness like evil kind of representation is is a little bit more realistic than what it was originally gonna be (laughs) (laughs) see i know that uh richard donner was probably like that because they were actually in fear of losing gregory peck because he was very adamant that he did not want to do a horror film he did not want to do this like outrageous uh film about the devil like he Mm -hmm. was super you know and the only way he did it was like look if it's played more like a psychological thriller then i'll do it so you're completely right it is a very much more down-to-earth representation of satan as opposed to prince of darkness or (laughs) (laughs) another thing that i kind of realized about the omen is in a lot of uh satanic horrors a lot of possession horrors the the kind of dichotomy between faith and science is uh, a strong symbol used throughout films whereas prince of darkness there's kind of a marriage of science and faith but Mm -hmm. in the omen there's no mention of science whatsoever it's very much um faith and politics why do you think that is i think with the omen it was very much let's just leave science out of this conversation because i don't think that's the representation it was trying to portray like i think the whole underlying message of flawed religion and the manipulation of politics because it is a big it is a big thing in the omen um i think because that was the primary focus i think if you added science into that mix as well it would be quite convoluted and not in a like fun satan be crazy kind of way it'd be more like a like this is too this is too many elements now we need to simmer down yeah (laughs) um i do i do like the fact that uh gregory peck realizes that his son is definitely the antichrist by the little um birthmark on the back of his head (laughs) and i'm like when when they show it i'm like oh that poor boy has definitely just been like tattooed <laughs> like in real life it looks like someone's either got like a tattoo gun and just like drawn it on his head or just got a sharpie and like drew, drew it on but um i think if you try to throw science into that 
birthmarks don't look like that in real life let's be honest yeah, birthmarks are usually cool. like they look like darkened patches of skin or moles yeah, <laughs> i don't yeah. think you could i don't think you could add science into the mix if you're trying to persuade us that there is a birthmark with three sixes <laughs> <laughs> another good fact about the omen is that the 666 symbolism symbolism was actually introduced into pop culture by the film oh i love that i i i did read i did read that they um on the first day of viewing, they had posters, like personalized posters outside the cinema being like, this is the sixth day of the sixth month of 1976 and everything. And everyone was like, oh my God, like losing their minds. <laughs> but like, if you think about how much the 666 really kind of falls into the Satanist culture now, it's amazing that a film had that much of an impact. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause like, when The Omen first came out, it was kind of critically panned. Mm. It really was. Despite it grossing quite a bit, it was absolutely critically panned. But to see it become this megalith of horror and have so much influence and legacy in today's horror as well, what do you think The Omen's legacy is in modern horror? I think that the amount of tropes that you see in horror films now that can be linked back to the omen are like insane. Like you have like the jump scares with like Mrs. Baylock and stuff in the darkness. You have like the representation of like animals being related to like evil. You have all the different kind of criticisms of the church that are put in. You have Catholicism, as a big conversation starter of how problematic it can be. And also in some renditions being the savior, if you don't kind of look into it in a deeper meaning. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like we wouldn't have half of the Satanist films that we have now without the omen. Yeah. Especially when it, like there's so many films where the antichrist is the, the antagonist kind of mm -hmm. within the film or, you know, there's a woman pregnant with the Antichrist or, you know, even just even just films concerning themselves about the end of days, which yes. The Omen was was the first, if not one of the first, to depict that. Yeah. Um, you know, before we had like Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist where it was just like, it was just Satan. And he was just yep. doing his thing, you know, causing a little bit of trouble. Whereas this time it was on a worldwide, worldwide scale that, mm -hmm. you know, the, the book of Revelation was going to come to fruition. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that without the omen, we wouldn't have, like you said, half the, the films in horror yeah. that we do today. Um, so would you recommend the omen to horror fans? I think I would recommend The Omen not just to horror fans. I would recommend The Omen as a film, full stop. Um, it's not, in terms of like horror standards of today, it's not mm -hmm. overly gory. It's not anything that would specifically gross anyone out, I don't think. I think because it is played a lot more as a psychological horror, um, it's a lot more kind of open and appealing to a wider audience because they're not going to get freaked out by the terror. Um but as a film itself, I just think the storyline of it is phenomenal. Like, I, I I, don't think I can actually think of a criticism for the film's narrative. How it plays out, it's exactly the right length for, like, a shock horror. Yeah, it's it, like, in my mind, it's, it's one of the great classics. So I would 100% recommend it. Yeah, I would. Um, 
I'd expect most horror fans to have seen it anyway, but if they yeah. haven't, like I'd, I'm, I'm really into, and I've said this so many times on the podcast, I'm really into being like, learn your history, like learn your horror history, learn mm-hmm. where things come from. Um, and I just think the omen is a very important part of horror cinematic history. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a very, as you said, it was the first kind of rendition of certain aspects of Satanism portrayed on screen. And I think it's a very good kind of, way to start your horror satanism journey as well because it's like the pre like all these teens and their rebellious music and all that kind of side of the satanism that you get later on um i think it's just like a good old classic like the devil incarnate is here like yeah he is he is a child you would not suspect him he is evil like it's 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 a great way to start off your journey and if you want to learn about satanism <laughs> yeah it's it's very it's very much like he's the devil he's here and he's in politics exactly. <laughs> I mean, have, have you have you seen the uh the the second and the third one no i actually haven't so the second one is not really worth your time i'm not gonna lie it's it's pretty bad but the third one is actually i think it's actually quite a good film but that might be because i'm a bit of a diehard sam neill fan i was just about to say yeah sam neill's in it isn't he i i adore that man i mean my favorite sam neill film is possession but i think i think my third is probably omen (laughs) three Because he is just, it's like, it's, it's, it's Sam Neill at his wildest in all the best ways. I love it so much. It's, it's one of those ones that, I mean, obviously I would always recommend the first Omen first, but the third Omen is just so much fun. It's such a fun film. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, cause it's, it's on Disney, like of all things. <laughs> like when, when, when you said about watching this, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to rewatch the Omen. And I think I put it in our, um, we have like a ghouls like group chat and I'm pretty certain I put it in there and I was like, girls, I, I think the Omen's on Disney plus. And everyone was like, yeah, did you not know? I was like, no, <laughs> like, why is it? but then saying that I know, I know that they have a lot more kind of horror films on there and they have things like, I mean, like they have like the walking dead and stuff like that on there now. Like their, their, their horror expansions broadened out to the good, the bad and the ugly at this point. Um, so yeah, but it just really surprised me that a classic like The Omen would turn up on Disney Plus. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Wholesome oh, yeah. Disney content. That's what we are after. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so out of the two films, if someone came to you and were like, look, I want to watch a film about Satan and Satanism, which one would you recommend to them? I mean, it's a tough choice, but gun to my head, I think I'd have to give them The Omen. <laughs> as as much as i like to throw prince of darkness at people just to get their reaction from it the omen is actually a good film so (laughs) i'm not gonna lie it's the omen all the way oh yeah no yeah that's completely fair enough (laughs) if 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 goo satan is not your thing i will never hold it against someone (laughs) yeah i think if alien sentinel beings aren't quite your thing (laughs) yeah and if you if you don't want to hear that jesus is a time traveler as well maybe avoid prince of darkness oh love it um so before we go i usually ask my guests what is your favorite horror film oh lord okay i i feel like i'm gonna tell you this and you're gonna think that my taste in horror movies is crap because i have chosen prince of darkness as my subject matter and then i'm gonna say my favorite film and you're gonna be like really (laughs) um my favorite horror film is final destination 2 Okay, that's an unusual one. Like I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, I it's not one that has really crossed my uh, 
thing I can remember the first one kind of yeah why Final Destination 2 so the series in general is my like go-to feel-good horror series it's just it's gore it's fun there's some like fun like little cameos in it I mean Tony Todd is in it let's like like our absolute horror legends that is like I, it it makes me smile every time he rocks up on screen or like his I hear his voice like from a devil on a roller coaster in number three and I'm like yes Tony Todd um but the second one is the best for me just because it's gorier than the first and it's still all the practical effects are still there like it's okay. still when they were doing solely practical effects for the for like for the film and I don't understand it but somehow it was the lowest earner at the box office out of all the Final Destination films and I'm like guys come on it's the best like it has some really insane kills because if if you want like a feel-good horror that just has like a ridiculous amount of people who are kind of shitty dying then uh-huh. Final Destination 2 is your one because like you have like a kid who nearly chokes to death at the dentist on a plastic fish and then gets crushed by a window pane as he runs outside to chase some pigeons um you have a man that blows up on a barbecue you have a man who gets uh ripped up by barbed wire after a news truck explodes and the barbed wire just goes flying towards him and it is the funniest thing I've ever seen because it's like his head falls one way his midriff falls the other and then his legs just fall forward and it was all done practically like the way that they did that shot was amazing (laughs) I think physically like physical visual effects just really excite me and Final Destination 2 has it all for me seeing how animated you get talking about it it's just like i'm gonna have to watch it now like i will i might die on this yeah you'll die on this hill i I might have to watch this like series because it's just one of those franchises that have just gone over my head like it's yeah it's just kind of there and i've always Mm -hmm. meant to be like okay you know i'll give i'll give the series a watch and you know watch all the films and i just never have so i guess i'm gonna have to watch it now I also think that the way that I recommend it to people is if you do just want like an easy horror to watch, Fond Destination is so good because you don't have to like the characters because they all die anyway. So you're like, yeah, next death. <laughs> like you're a, you're a really bad person. You can die next. Um, and also like, even though the, the overall storylines are pretty dumb, the fact mm-hmm. that they link everything, like mm-hmm. every single one of those films is connected in some way. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that. Like I just like my little like, Sherlock Holmes mind map in my brain of like connecting all the dots just really like makes me happy it's 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 my happy place (laughs) (laughs) um so where can people find you on social media um so you can find me on uh mainly on twitter or on instagram uh my handle is the same along all the social media platforms so it's Unfortunately, it's fall underscore out underscore Iona because I am a diehard Fallout Boy fan um, and I have been since I was a, a dirty little emo kid. Um, I, you can also find me on uh, the Ghouls Magazine website. I am now officially on there as a contributor, so you can see my little description on there, um, which does also describe how I will try and persuade everyone to watch the Fun Destination films. Um and yeah, that's pretty much it. Apart from that, you might see a few shows on British TV that I've helped develop every now and then. Um, the company that I work for makes uh, Salvage Hunters on Quest, which is <laughs> which is quite fun. Um, so yeah, nice. that's, that's pretty much where you can find my footprints. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting Satan with me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> 
So that was my chat there with Iona Smith about Satanism in horror. And in particular, we chat about The Prince of Darkness uh, from 1987 and also 1976's The Omen. So what did you think of this week's episode? Did you enjoy uh, our little chat about Satan? Um, Do you think there are better films out there that show Satan and Satanism? Um, let us know on our social media. So that is Instagram and Facebook at What A Scream Podcast and also Twitter at What Underscore Scream. And don't forget, whatever platform you are listening to me on, please rate and review. Um, I would be super, super grateful for that. So next week, um, my subject for the episode is going to be horror from the 1990s. Um... I'm going to admit it is an era at which I have a bit of a blank spot, um, a bit of a blind spot when it comes to horror. I think because maybe because that was the era when I was kind of a child that it just kind of bypassed me a bit. But anyway, myself and my special guest will be getting into two 1990s horrors um and my special guest for next week is irish director richard waters i hope you can all join me next week um and stay horrific goodbye shouldn't be scared of the dracula shouldn't be scared of the mummy shouldn't be scared of frankenstein's monster you should be scared of it